0: Luke 23, 39 to 43. And our theme this morning, the title of the sermon is A Conversation from the Cross. A Conversation from the Cross in Luke 23, 39 to 43. Let us hear God's Word. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. in paradise. This is God's word. Let's pray. Oh, our God and our Father, as we come now to study your word, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. That, Lord, we would hear your voice this morning. As we listen into the conversation from the cross, may we begin a conversation with you. May you speak and may we respond to your voice in prayer and praise. Lord, would you be with me as I preach? I need your enabling this morning, Lord. Please strengthen my voice. Give me clarity of mind and thought. Lord, may I faithfully present your word. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be lifted high. We pray these things for Christ's sake. Amen. September 11th. 2001, is one of those historic days which is burned into the memory of every single person who was alive at that time. Uh, Most people can recall where they were when they heard the news that the World Trade Center in New York had been attacked by terrorists. I remember hearing as a teenager, my dad woke me up early in the morning in Australia and said, you need to turn the news on. I turned the news on And it was like watching a war movie. You don't expect to see these things, but I remember where I was, I remember the time, and I remember the thoughts that went through my mind as I saw this terrorist action. Now for me, I was well removed from the incident, but still it impacted me. But for others, it had a greater impact. Recently I came across the true story of a man named Steve Scybner, now, Steve Skybner was an American Airlines pilot who was actually rostered on to fly on that fateful day. However, on September 10th, he had conversation with a fellow pilot named Tom McGuinness. And for some reason, Tom McGuinness said, look, I want to get home earlier. How about we switch ships? I'll take your flight in the morning. You take my afternoon flight. Well, Steve agreed to that. Well, as we know... It was in the morning that the aircraft struck the World Trade Center. It was actually the flight that Steve was due to fly that was hijacked and it crashed into the towers, killing many, including his friend Tom. And Steve said, A single conversation changed my life forever. If I had not answered that phone call the night before, if I had not had a conversation with my friend, then I would be dead now. A single conversation can change everything. Now we have many conversations each day. We go through every day having conversations. We do it in person or we even do it on social media. Now most of the conversations that we have aren't that important. You will have conversations today that will have no impact whatsoever upon your life. There is no major consequences. But then there are times that we do have conversations that change everything. For instance, you may have a conversation with your doctor and your doctor may say, I'm sorry, there's something wrong. That is a conversation that will change your life. Maybe you will have a conversation in anger with family members or those you have relationships with and you will find that things are destroyed. But not all conversations that change everything are negative. For instance, a young man may have a conversation with a young lady and they decide to get married. That is a good conversation. A conversation that changes everything. Perhaps you have a conversation with your young child and your young child turns and looks at you and for the first time says, I love you. That's a good conversation. That will change many things conversations can be good or bad and they can impact us in different ways and in ways that we can never imagine. And this morning as we think about this topic of conversation, I want us to come to God's Word and and I want us to see a conversation that takes place between Jesus and two criminals. Now this conversation that we are looking at this morning is not taking place in a nice church building. It is not even taking place in a green meadow somewhere somewhere rather the conversation we have this morning is a conversation that takes place upon the cross. The conversation that we will be looking at this day is a conversation between three men as they near the end of their lives. Death was moving in upon them and this conversation that is about to take place will impact one of them massively for all eternity. But before we eavesdrop on this conversation, let me quickly set the scene so we know that what is occurring here in God's Word. What we have here before us is the narrative, the detailing of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Christ it has been a very hard 24 hours. He has been betrayed by a friend. He has gone through the show of a mock trial and now he is nailed to the cross for all to see. But what we need to realise as we step back and survey what is happening is that all that is occurring to the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his crucifixion, was all according to the predetermined plan of God. What we have here in this situation is the glory of God on display because in the death of Christ we see God being glorified through the saving of the lost. We have God's love being shown here in this passage. We see God loving sinners, loving people who do not deserve his grace and mercy. Indeed, we have seen the love of God displayed because in just a few verses earlier, Christ proclaimed from the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. This is all occurring. Christ is showing love. Christ is showing grace towards sinners. But as Christ shows love, as Christ dies for sinners, our text tells us that people began to gather to mock him, to curse him, to ridicule him. Here is Jesus slowly dying in agony. He's moving towards death. He prays for them, but they curse him. And the Bible tells us that the mocking that came to Jesus on the cross didn't just come from the crowd that gathered around the foot of the cross. But we are told that in Matthew's Gospel there was two criminals who were hung either side of Christ. They too were being crucified. And these two condemned criminals, they mocked Jesus as well. These two men facing death, instead of preparing to meet their God, begin to mock the Saviour. But then something happens. Something occurs. A conversation takes place. And everything changes. You see, one of the criminals who started off mocking Jesus ends up having a conversation with his fellow criminal and with Jesus. And as a result of that conversation, his eternal destiny changes. And as we eavesdrop in on this conversation, as we listen to this conversation from 2,000 years ago, we need to realise that what we hear in these verses can change our eternal destiny also. So what you notice here as we look at the text is the conversation that the thief has, that the criminal has, Let's look at what he says and what he does. He goes from jeering to from mocking Christ and we see in our text that a change takes place and in verse 39 and 40 we see that he moves from mocking to acknowledging God. He starts off by ridiculing. But something occurs and he changes and he moves to the acknowledgement of God. The crowds are jeering, the crowds are mocking. As this is occurring, one of the criminals cries out to Jesus, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But as that one criminal calls that out, the other criminal stops. He thinks, he pauses, he he, he considers his plight and he crawls back to his fellow condemned man. Do you not even fear God? seeing that you are under the same condemnation. What a change. A few minutes earlier, he would have mocked too. But all of a sudden, something has happened. One criminal cries out, Ha, if you're the Christ, save yourself. And the other guy goes, hang on. Hang on a second. We're condemned to. Do you not even fear God? God. There's an acknowledgement of God. There's an acknowledgement that this man is about to meet God. The prophet Amos exhorted the people in his day, prepare to meet your God. And that is now what the criminal is realising. One of these men on the cross realises that he is only a few short breaths away from meeting God. He grasps the reality that life is short, that life is but a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. He realises that soon he will be ushered from this life to stand before the judgment seat of God and no doubt that made him tremble. Do you not fear God? That is his cry. That was what he called out to his fellow condemned. Do you not fear God? And that's what he would cry out to us this morning. You see, we all should be thinking like this criminal. Do I fear God? Do I acknowledge God? Do I understand and grasp that my life is short? Do I realise that I will be dead a whole lot longer than I am alive? Am I prepared to meet God? Now this second criminal, well, he had a great advantage over us. He knew he was only hours from death. He knew that his life was over. There was no coming back. He has that advantage because today many people don't think anything about death. We try to sanitise death. We don't want to think about it. It's a dirty word that we don't consider at all. Yet the reality is we will all die one day. There's no escape. The ultimate statistic is 10 out of 10 people will die. We don't like to think about it, but we should. There's a story told of a gravestone in Northern Ireland. And the preacher, Alan Cairns, was walking past it one day. And he read on the gravestone some words that made him stop and think. On the gravestone it said, Consider, man, as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you will be. Consider man eternity. And we really should consider this. We really should stop and consider what the thief on the cross is saying. Do you not even fear God? Oh, one day we will meet him. The thief is about to die and who knows what the future holds for us. Who knows how many days the Lord has given you Who knows how many breaths you have left in your lungs? Do you not even fear God? We would do well to consider our Creator. We would do well to consider our God, to think upon Him, who He is, what He has done. And we should look to the Lord Jesus as our only hope. You see, this second criminal went from mocking to acknowledging God. Do you not even fear God? And this is the starting point for anyone who wants to have their sins forgiven. This is the starting point, knowing God, acknowledging Him. Hebrews tells us that we must first believe that He is if we're to have faith in Him. This feast begins by saying, actually, God is real. I acknowledge Him. And I need to fear Him. Now why should he fear God? Well, he should fear God because of who God is. God is holy. God is perfect. And since God is holy and perfect, that means He must punish wrongdoing. If God is the holy God, did not punish wrongdoing, then He couldn't be holy and he couldn't be good. Think of it like this, if a judge in our land decides to let a guilty criminal go free, there'd be outcry in the news saying that judge is corrupt. And indeed he would be. A good judge punishes wrongdoing. And God, because he is holy, God, because he is perfect, is the God who will judge sinners. And for that we should fear him, because we've all sinned against God, and we all deserve his judgment. Do you realize this? Do you understand this this morning? Do you understand your natural state before God? Or well, the second criminal did, and he acknowledges God and says, do you not even fear God? The acknowledgement of God is the first part of this conversation. And it puts the man on the journey to having sins forgiven. But what else does he do? Well, look at verse 41 and 42. Notice that the criminal continues his conversation by acknowledging his sin and also by acknowledging Jesus. He acknowledges his sin and he acknowledges Christ. You see, this criminal on the cross knows that he is guilty. He knows that he is being rightly punished for what he has done. But then he looks at Jesus, and he sees that Jesus is completely different. He looks at Christ, and he says, this man has done nothing wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. The criminal on the cross acknowledges that Jesus is the sinless saviour. As he dies, as he faces death, the criminal looks at Jesus and he grasps the truth that many people today do not understand. He understands that he has done wrong, but he also understands that Jesus is perfect, that Jesus is sinless. Now many people today don't grasp that truth. Many people don't even acknowledge the fact that they have done wrong. Today, many people think that they are quite good. Indeed, the proverb says most men will proclaim their own goodness. If you were to ask people, are you good enough to earn your way to heaven, the vast majority in our society would say, absolutely, I'm very good. I've done nothing wrong. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, this popular myth today is, no, no, your sin's not that big a deal. But all sin is a big deal. The popular thought today is our sin, yeah, it's harmless. It's a little bit of naughty fun. But this criminal on the cross, he knew that sin had a consequence. He was seeing justice being poured out in this life and he knew that soon he would stand and face eternal justice because of the sins that he has committed. And we need to realise that as well. We need to realise along with this criminal that we have sinned. That we've done wrong. We must realize that our sin has consequences. I was once talking to a man who admitted to me very openly. He says, Yes, I'll be honest with you, I have sinned against God. Now normally if you're talking to someone and sharing the gospel and someone admits that they've sinned, that's a good starting point. People need to understand that they've sinned before they can grasp the truth of Jesus. But this man got it wrong. He said, yes, I have sinned, yes, I've done wrong, but I'm confident that God won't mind too much. I said, why why do you think that? Why do you think God won't mind too much about your sin? He said, well, the sin I commit is only small sins, and I only commit a few sins here and there. So I said to him, I said, how many sins do you think you commit each day? That's a good question, isn't it? How many sins do you think you commit each day? Well, the man paused and he thought for a moment, he says, well, I'm not really sure. So I said to him, I said, well, keep in mind, God says lying, stealing, lusting, hating, failing to love him with our whole being is sin. How many of those types of sins do you think you commit each day? After thinking a little bit more, the man said, well, I suppose I commit three sins a day. But then he quickly said, but there's 24 hours in a day. So three sins in 24 hours, that's not that big of a deal. And indeed, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound that bad. Until you do the math. If you commit just three sins per day, in one year, that's 1,000 sins. In 10 years, that's 10,000 sins. If you live until you're 70, That's 70,000 sins that you'll have to give an account for. You try showing up before a judge with a thousand charges against you, I guarantee you he won't say, well, it's not that big a deal. And the same is true with God. There's no, ah, it's not that big a deal. All sin is an offence to a holy God. It only took one sin to plunge the world into darkness. And we commit much more than one sin. You see, our sin is much like a bad credit card debt. It just keeps building up and nothing we can do can ever repay it. We cannot remove our sin. We cannot remove the penalty of our sin. We cannot do away with death and judgment that we deserve. And the second criminal, he understood that. So he says to his other criminal, and we indeed justly, well, we received the due rewards of our deeds. He knew and acknowledged that he had sinned. What we're going through is just," he says. We did wrong. We deserve judgment. He acknowledges his sin. He doesn't cover it up. But he looked at Jesus and he says, "But look at him. We deserve judgment. We did wrong. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. He points at Jesus and says, Christ hasn't done anything. We have. We've sinned. He's sinless. You see, the thief on the cross speaks the truth. He acknowledges his sin and he acknowledges Jesus. He understands that Jesus is sinless. He understands that Jesus is perfect. He understands that Jesus is holy and he doesn't deserve death. (coughs) Yet here is Jesus dying on the cross. And the question we have to ask is why? This man doesn't deserve to be here. Then why is he dying? And the answer to why is because of our sin. The sin that you and I commit has a consequence. And that consequence is death. Yet Jesus, the loving Creator, God, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, in love goes to the cross to pay the punishment that the sins of his people demanded. He had no sin to pay for. He's sinless. But his people had plenty of sin. And Jesus goes to pay for that sin. That's why he's on the cross. This thief on the cross who acknowledges Jesus, if he could have understood, he would have seen and said, that man's done nothing wrong, but he's being condemned in my place. And we need to look and see that. That Christ is condemned in our place. Now picture it like this. Imagine you've committed such a crime. And the crime is so bad that you've been sentenced to death. While you're the day of your execution, you are confined to a jail cell. But one day in the jail, you hear the keys rattle and the doors open. And you look out through the bars of your cell and you see a man who is clearly upright and just. He is the opposite to everyone else in the jail. As you look at this man who has entered the prison system, you feel a sense of anger and resentment towards him. Why would this upright and just man come here? Well, that man begins to walk through the cells. He passes some criminals by. But he stops and he talks to others. But eventually he comes to yourself. He looks at you and he says, I have come to let you know that your punishment will be paid. You're a bit shocked at this. But the man goes on to say, I will take the death that you deserve. And with that the man is taken out and he's executed. You can now go free. The fine has been paid. Well, if that happened to you, you wouldn't feel anger and resentment towards the man. Instead, you'd be thankful. You would love the man who died in your place. You'll go out and you would live differently because the innocent has died for the guilty, and that is what Jesus did upon the cross. On the cross, Jesus didn't die for anything he did. Rather, he died for the sins of his elect. He took the punishment his people deserved. He dies the death that we should die. He took the full force of wrath for our sin that should have rightly fallen upon us for all eternity. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Now the thief on the cross next to Jesus couldn't grasp all of this. He just saw a man who was innocent dying. But if he had more time he would have understood that Jesus was dying, the innocent for the guilty. He was dying the just for the unjust. And that three days later Jesus would rise again from the dead. But the second criminal doesn't know. But what he does know is that this man who dies is his only hope. He acknowledges his sin. He acknowledges Jesus. And then he turns to Christ and says to him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Master, King, Lord, I I submit myself to you. Have mercy upon me. Remember me. What a change that has taken place. From mocking to humbling himself before the Lord. He throws himself upon the mercy of God. He looks to Jesus as the one who is dying for sinners. And he asks for forgiveness. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this is something we all should do. We should see our sin. We should see what Christ has done. And then we should come to him saying, Lord, rescue me. Forgive me. You're my only hope. You're the only one who can rescue me. That's what we need to do. If we want peace with God, if we want sins forgiven, if we want heaven when we die, the Bible says we must repent and trust in Jesus. We must come to him and ask him for mercy. You know, it's interesting that this criminal doesn't say, Lord, yes, I'm a bad man, but would you take into consideration the good idea to from the crimes i done? He doesn't do that. He doesn't try and justify himself. He doesn't hold up his good words and say, Lord, will these help me get to your kingdom? No, he simply trusts in Jesus. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a simple trust. Lord, rescue me. But how does Jesus respond? So far this conversation has been between two criminals. Jesus is in the middle. But now Jesus speaks. And in verse 43 we see Jesus acknowledge the criminal. Jesus hears all that's going on. He hears the call for mercy. And he replies to the thief by saying, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus responds to the criminal who has acknowledged God, who has acknowledged his sin, and who has trusted in Jesus by forgiving him and promising him that today... You'll be with me in paradise. You'll be in heaven. The criminal on the cross cried for mercy and Jesus showed it to him. Alistair Begg, who's a very good preacher, preached on this passage and he did a marvelous job. And he said, can you imagine what it must have been like later that day when this thief finally died and he went to paradise. He said he would have got there. He goes, you can let your imagination run a bit. Perhaps the angel is standing at the gates of heaven and the angel says, who are you? And the thief goes, I don't even know how I got here. And the angel says, hang on a second, we need to sort this out. And they go through a list of theologies and doctrines and deeds and says, have you done any of these? And the thief says, no, I've done none of that. I don't even know what you're talking about. Now, the Begg says, can you imagine the angel then turning to the thief and saying, then why are you here? And the thief responds simply by saying, I don't know, except the man on the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle cross said I could come. And that's exactly what we see Jesus saying to him. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He doesn't say, listen mate, you've got to get off the cross and get baptised and do some works and do some religious deeds and then you'll get to paradise. No, he simply says, you will be with me today. Why? Because the criminal had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus in love rescued him. The criminal acknowledged his sin, he turned from his sin and he turned to Jesus and Jesus saved him. And as we look at what Christ says, we can see what we need to do. We can see that we need to come to Jesus. We need to come trusting in Him. And we can see from the Word of God that if we do that, Christ promises to rescue us. He promises to forgive us no matter what we have done. He promises to give us a new life. To clean us up. To remove all the filth that we've done in our life. If we would trust in Jesus no matter what you have done, no matter how ashamed you are of the things you've done in your life, Christ would say, if you trust in me, you will be with me in paradise. You'll be completely forgiven. You see, Christ is our only hope. He's our only hope because he's the only one who dies on the cross for sinners. And he's the only one who rises again from the dead. And because Jesus has done all that, we can be completely forgiven, we can be made brand new if you would trust in him. If this day you would turn from your sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you could be like this criminal. That one day you'll be with Jesus in paradise. Not because of what you have done, but because the man on the middle cross said you could come. Well, this morning we have been eavesdropping on a conversation from 2,000 years ago. A conversation that changed the life of this criminal. But it's a conversation that can impact us greatly as well. You see, we're no better than this criminal on the cross. We too deserve death. We too deserve judgement. But the same Jesus who rescued that criminal is the Jesus who can rescue you as well. Jesus who loved the man on the cross is the same Jesus who shows love towards you. And this morning, the Lord Jesus would invite you, no matter who you are or what you've done or what your background, he would invite you to come and have a conversation with him. He would call on you, like this criminal, to acknowledge God, to take responsibility for your sin and to trust in Christ alone. Have you done that? Have you come to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, saying, Lord, remember me. Lord, have mercy upon me. Right now, wherever you're sitting, You can begin that conversation with Christ. You don't have to be in a special place. You don't have to go to a special person. Just like this criminal went straight to Jesus, so you can go straight to Jesus as well. And say, Lord, my sins are many. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. For rising again from the dead for me. Lord, remember me. And if you would call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible gives you the assurance that you would be saved, you'd be forgiven, and you could have heaven when you die. You could have peace with God. All because of Jesus. And only because of Jesus. So today, have you had that conversation with Christ? I'm not asking, are you religious? I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking if you think you're moral or good. Have you personally, as an individual, trusted in Christ? I don't care if your mum and dad are Christians. What about you, personally, individual? You alone will stand before God. Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you turned from your sins? Don't think coming to this church will help you. Don't think reading your Bible will help you. Jesus and Jesus alone is your hope. Trust in Him. And be like the thief on the cross. And receive the assurance that one day you'll go to be in paradise with Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, our God and our Father, we do thank you that we can read your word and study the scripture this morning. But Lord, we can listen in on a conversation that took place 2,000 years ago. And we can rejoice in the fact that you are the God who rescued the thief who cried upon the Saviour. Lord, we do pray this morning you would search us and know us. That those here who are yet to trust in Christ would this day be arrested by the Spirit of God. And that this morning they would cry out, Lord, remember me and Lord, we pray this day they would trust in the Saviour, that you would save them. Oh Lord, would you please do these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.